0: Hey all, it's Paul from Drums and Rums with a Backbeats Meets the Spirits episode 44. On this podcast, our guest lives drums. He teaches, records, gigs, does clinics, and is a published author, drum related, of course. On top of that, he's a regular polyrhythm columnist for the Modern Drummer magazine and has a weekly broadcast show on Drumio. His educational material on YouTube has over 2 million views and more than 13,000 subscribers to his channel. He is also the drummer for the Canadian prog metal band Third Ion, where he showcases some of the most rhythmically adventurous playing. The resulting sound is heavily polyrhythmic, including a song almost entirely based in quintuplets called Van Halen from their debut release 13th 8th Bit. Also, for our mid-show rum review, Alex from the Rumbarrow gives us a review of Appleton Estate 8-Year-Old Reserve. Now here's the track, Illogical, with Aaron and Third I Am from their second release, Biolith. Again, I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show, even though lockdowns, you know, I'm sure you're still keeping busy. Um, I have to say, the most recent YouTube video, of the Wood Beaters, was pretty funny. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun with that one. That was actually Low Boy's idea. They they hit uh, a handful of the artists up just before April Fools, and they were like, oh, we got this idea for this ridiculous beater that's just not going to work. You know, a funny thing about it, though, the, um, the one that they sent me, I mean, This was partly my fault. I set it up on a gigantic bass drum that had no muffling on it. So it was the spongiest possible thing for it to hit. Um, But mine just wouldn't break. Seriously, I pounded on that thing for minutes before it actually finally snapped. And when it snapped, it was because I kind of cheated. I went over there and I cut the the shaft a little bit with a knife. I was like, I have to get this shot. And I've beaten the shit out of this thing. (laughs) So (laughs) it's kind of... (laughs) extra funny, like April Fool's joke on us that it just didn't work. Everybody else is their snap, but they were playing them on, you know, normal bass drums, like a, you know, something somewhat muffled. So it's a pretty solid surface, a good cracking to that thing. And of course you're going to break a wooden dowel. But yeah, right. I picked a 26 that was wide open and tuned low. <laughs> didn't want to go.
0: <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, so we, yeah, let's just, we'll jump right in here. So um, again, you know, the podcast is, you know, I've got drums and rums, two ideas, and some. You know, some of the drum guests are. Uh, you know, we don't get too crazy technical at times. I mean, it all depends on where we where we want to go in the conversation, and uh, it's just like if we were just sitting at a bar, you know, just, just shooting it, and then trying to be as as you know, you know, if we if we need if we need to nerd out, we can nerd out, and you know, it definitely happens also when we have rum guests on that they also can very nerd out on rum as well too, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, that's neat. I'm definitely not. Um let's say a rum connoisseur, like I bet you any sort of like actual person that's into that sort of thing will roll their eyes at anything I have to say about this. But I did actually find a new one yesterday, randomly, I was at the liquor store and there was, again, real people that love this kind of stuff We're probably gonna just think I'm an asshole for even bringing this up, be on a rum podcast. But it was orange vanilla uh, Captain Morgans. Man, I put that shit in a ginger ale. It was seriously like drinking a creamsicle, it was amazing.
0: Yeah, it, it that one that one's been I, I've seen that for I think I actually have tried it. Yeah, it's uh, it's not nothing against you, right? But you, I think you are right that there are some that are very much do not see that as rum. And you know, if you listen to some of the other guests, and I don't think that you know, some I know are pretty firm about some of the rums that are not rums, but you know, it's like, look, you're just having a cocktail and you know, you're maybe not as into it, but if you ever do, it's almost as i've learned it's uh like a lot of you know fine spirits whether it's wine uh whiskey bourbon etc there is definitely a a different taste and a, a different appreciation like like anything really right
1: yeah so. yeah absolutely i'm in no way trying to be one of those guys i'm not <laughs> one of those guys i'm kind of that still sort of like winces on like a normal shot not a huge drinker right but anyway that that orange vanilla captain morgan was
0: ridiculous yeah they have they have a gingerbread one too or ginger yeah something they got a couple different uh yeah so uh i haven't had captain morgan on the show yet or their company and so forth so they're you know i think i've been steering towards more more craft uh, a lot of local the mom and pops and the stories behind them and then so great stuff so
1: yeah absolutely
0: Um, yeah yep (laughs) So, um, yeah, I mean, let's just jump right. I mean, did you grow up in a a music family?
1: No, actually. I mean, well, I guess technically my brother played a little bit of guitar when I was super young, but, like, not seriously. Uh, I don't even think he still really plays at all. So, Um, yeah, but for me, oddly, I kind of came into it more academically than musically. Um, Like in when, I guess, junior high, we had the option. Stare drums are loud when you're talking. Um, we had the option to take either band or art. Um, and I didn't really have any particular interest in either of them, but um, drums just seemed like honestly the least worst option. Like uh, I don't really want to do any of this stuff, but at least on drums, I get to hit something and it could actually be something outside of school. Cause it wasn't like, I mean, they didn't have like guitar or anything like that at the school that I was doing. It was the only, let's just say, Modern type instrument that you'd go out, unless you wanted to be like a jazz person or somebody in sort of like you know, symphonic music, and right? That kind of stuff, which, as like an 11 year old, no interest, you know, so yeah, right, yeah, yeah, drums were just like the only option. But you know, the neat thing was it kind of just uh, came to me kind of easily, I guess, because I was really interested in it once I actually got in there and tried it and realized, oh, this is kind of fun, I really kind of like what the steps, but yeah, from that approach. I don't know, I feel like I've had kind of a different path than most people. As much as I've done, you know, all the typical professional musician things, I've done tons of tours, I've played with countless bands. Um, It's always been more a, a pursuit of just the instrument itself and, like, you know, seeing where theory can go. And, I don't know, I was kind of driven by stuff I hadn't heard before. Like, when I was younger, there wasn't really, like, there's a lot of current, popular, interesting quintuplets and things like that. But there just wasn't when I was a kid. And the cool thing there was, um, I guess, uh, it's just kind of an interesting point. Now, we've got it to a place where, let's say, you're trying to learn that kind of stuff. There's a wealth of information. You can find right. tons of, videos of people teaching it. You can find books that are all about that kind of stuff. I have one. Like <laughs> You can get all sorts of stuff just handed to you. This is how to develop this skill. Right. But as a younger guy, without any of that stuff, I basically had a metronome and an idea of, I want Quintelpest to feel as comfy as 16th those two so at first i had to be like okay well how many rhythms are there i didn't know the math behind it yet so i wasn't like okay i can figure out that there are going to be 32 variations of this let's set to figuring out what those 32 variations are there's more okay let's actually just brainstorm what can i make out of it i eventually came to those 32 and started developing them but like i don't know it was neat i feel like when you have to sort of answer your own questions and go on like a journey of discovering something um you learn it more deeply and that type of learning and that type of just like exploration on the instrument that's what drives me that's the thing that i'm like most excited about with it
0: so so um, that, that sounds very much like i guess growing up and and get really immersing yourself into it is almost like and, I, and again i'm not going to knock other drummers that you know again everybody learns and takes it and, and, and everyone does it in a different approach yeah um but i think the way you were describing it there is as you know, kids are growing up, teenagers. You've got a guitar, or, or let's let's just say a guitar, and you just spend all that time in your room. You're noodling and doing different things, and you're really experimenting and and and. Um, but it sounds like that's kind of what you just described, but same, but for the drums, right? You're trying, yeah, pretty thing. much. Yeah, yeah, a yeah,
1: no, real just like exploration of stuff. And right. I like to kind of, I always, I kind of treated like exploring my own mind at the same time because. Um, we also didn't really have anything readily available to record. So like, for example, you come up with an idea, you're just jamming something random. Oh, all of a sudden I like that. Well, if I want to be able to play that again tomorrow, I've got to be able to write down what it is and articulate in such a way that, you know, me tomorrow, not remembering this thing can look at this understand it and do it. Right. So from there, it actually turned into also like exploring paper first. So you could have certain things where it's like, okay, I understand how the theory works. I can write something out that maybe I can't do yet. Um, and then work towards doing that kind of stuff. And it was kind of neat because, I don't know, I just feel like it was a, a fun way to kind of develop things. I'm not even sure if this even answers your question adequately at all. It's <laughs> sort of where I went with that stuff when I was younger, kind of okay. getting into it.
0: No I, I think, no, I think they answered it because you said that you may not have been in, you know, in some some folks come from different, different ways of, of how they get to the instrument. And uh, it's very similar, like you said. I think a great way to explain is, you know, in early in school where the modern instrument isn't a wind or there's really no strings in elementary school when you're kind of learning that whole thing. Um, I know when I was growing up in elementary school, everybody got sure. Same thing in Canada, right? Everyone got the recorder here, learn how to, you know, make noise or sound. And then they kind of the entry point into um, learning an instrument and music and, and everything that goes behind that or down from there. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. I mean, I was very similarly as right. This the drums, clarinet didn't. Clarinet didn't interest. Sax didn't interest. Flute and all. You know, it was like yeah. The, the snare drum and, um. But anyway, we digress. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um. So talking like we're getting again about drums. Again, are polyrhythms is that like magic? Are you doing magic?
1: <laughs> no. The. Uh... In fact, it's one of the things where I feel like the concept is so simple that it freaks people out and like, it just requires kind of, I mean, the same sort of approach I was talking about sort of learning and kind of diving into things before. Um, if you take those things from a standpoint of really trying to understand what it is, and how they work and how it fits with and, 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 the way you can normally play it.
0: And for, for for those that are listening that aren't, you know, that aren't drummers, but can you describe to those folks that are the non drummers what polyrhythms are?
1: Yeah, I guess in its most basic form, or even if you want to just call it a definition, a polyrhythm would be basically like two sets of equally spaced phrases. Like let's say you've got three equally spaced notes and four equally spaced notes happening within the same time frame. So it's not just like one, two, three, four. We'd have that happening, but we'd also have a three layer on top of that. So over that same space, where we get one, two, three, one that amount of time, we could have four equally spaced notes, and three equally spaced notes, and we'd end up with a polyrhythm that way. Um, So it seems crazy, because there's like, Oh, how do you even think about either side of that? But the thing is, is you can kind of break them down in such a way where, from the four perspective, you can derive the three perspective from a different subdivision, and vice versa. That in and of itself is part of where the confusion lies, because some people get confused on like, which side of this is like related to the pulse mostly um there, there, i guess there's just a lot of variables to make right. it kind of like hard to kind of understand um especially if you're coming at it from a place where you maybe don't have like a full grasp of theory yet um would make it a lot harder
0: and and for those those that are those of you, you know that are, that are listening that are you know again most of the pretty standard beat for what well, depends you know let's say rock is four four it's the one two three four so just to kind of give some frame of reference where there's all sorts of, this is why everyone, you know, they're listening, kids. Well, you probably shouldn't be listening because we already checked the explicit uh, language already. So this is where, this is where uh, fractions and math is important, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, in fact, that's one of those things where I think I was just lucky that when I was younger, math came really easy to me. So again, coming to drums from more of an academic standpoint, where I was less interested in like, oh, I want to play this stupid fucking cover or whatever. I want to actually like explore what's possible on in the instrument. But because math just like made sense, it was really just I don't know. It just seemed intoxicating to put the two together because it just it's very mathematical. I can fit things in there, especially if you just start thinking about them as numbers.
0: Right. So pretty cool. The so I guess in in, a, in a, somewhere in there comes in like i mean i guess how do you recommend then somebody developing that independence right
1: yeah well to put those things together i think the the first thing to understand is subdivisions and time signatures these things you don't necessarily want to be thinking about while you're playing polyrhythms but having a solid grip on how each of those things work is going to be massively helpful in putting all those kind of things together and the neat thing about um like basically understanding that from like an academic side of things is that like, then you get into crazy things like metric modulations and weird stuff like that. We hear in crazy, like fusion and Prague. Um, you can almost think about those. Like you're just basically building grooves off polyrhythms. Um, and again, these can all just mathematically work in a way that's super simple on paper, but you know, maybe seems a little less simple when you're trying to make it sound. Like something.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that's always you uh, and I'm always admit, I'm, uh, by far I, I i don't know if it's uh I, yeah i guess anybody could be trained in with the right amount of time and effort into things is uh being stuck at you know uh and maybe some of it, it could be early exposure i don't know i'm making excuses here aaron uh is uh you <laughs> well, know stuck on that four four and then you know some of these other other signatures it's like just
1: well i think part of that is that like it's gonna be the best way to say this people sort of like to put themselves in this very rigid box of what they think music should be or like you know especially for somebody that grew up kind of listening to the radio and didn't necessarily venture outside of that even just like for the fun of it um it can be really hard to even imagine that music can be something else but i mean music is just a game that humans made up you can literally do anything there fucking just aren't rules i mean sure there's guidelines that we sort of agree to when we want to play together but in the grand scheme of actually like making music, there just aren't. You can literally do anything. So it always like I don't know, it seems silly to me when people have trouble with uh, time signatures. And I don't mean that to offend anybody that's maybe still struggling with these kind of things, but it's just a different length pattern. Like talking about one of the more simple ones, if we went from 4-4 four, four to 5-4. Four. Again, four, I won't play actual drums because the mic's will not like that with the one that's on right now. But like a normal 4-4 four, four beat, like you said, any sort of rock song, you want two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Now people get tripped up when you change any of the values. So if we change the top number of a time signature, it just tells us we have more or less notes. If there's four, four, it means you have four quarter notes. So if we change that top four to a five, we can have five. So then it just goes from being one, two, three, four. We have one more of those counts before the pattern repeats. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. And people get tripped up because they're so stuck in hearing music a certain way, it's hard for them to even wrap their heads around this pattern being just something different. But I promise you, there's literally nothing even weird about it if you just sink into it for long enough that it feels normal. There's some number of reps that you need to play this thing until it doesn't feel weird anymore. Hmm. You can do things to help yourself, like accenting on beat one, like one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three. now, for learning purposes, it's great to crash or do some big accent on beat one of every bar. It's not necessarily so great when you're trying to play it musically because then you're making what you're doing real obvious. That has its place, but it's not usually the coolest sounding type thing. Right. But there's, again, some number of reps are doing this and just focusing on what the time is, counting out loud, understanding the thing that you're doing and making it real clear. Um, I promise there's nothing hard about it. And even when you could change the bottom number, that's just changing the type of subdivision. So we went from four four to five four. That was just an extra quarter note. If the bottom number was an eighth, we'd be just talking about eighth notes. So eighth notes are basically there's eight of them that'll fit into a bar of four four. So instead of it just being one two three four, we got one and two and three and four and. Technically, you can think of four four as eight eight, and then we can play the same trick. Let's take one away this time. So. If we were to remove one, it'd be seven, eight. That means we would just be finishing that bar and looping back to beat one, a note early. So one and two and three and four, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Four. You change the bottom number to 16, 32. You can even do exotic things where you go outside of those sort of normal numbers. But I feel like I'm going to just hurt people's brains if I start talking about that. Um <laughs>
0: especially especially again it, it's
1: all just real basic mathematical ideas that are super simple at face value if you let them be if right. you freak out about it if you're like oh this is some crazy pattern yes it's going to be hard to learn but if you're just like oh the pattern's this long i can play something that sounds like this cool i'm just gonna do that till it feels normal all of a sudden it's just not going to feel weird right but i mean i also it, can sympathize with being in that headspace sorry i keep right. cutting back off and just talking um
0: before <laughs> we Right. <laughs> no i it's it's like you i think like you, like you just said there's you can you hear the pattern or, or learn it, and and we, you know we've are living through the the benefit of the internet and things now that that you people never had access to before so think about it trying to grow up in the 60s the only way you could learn some of these things or 70s or 80s or whatever you know or before, yeah. anytime before the, you know, 1990 something, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and just never have exposure to those things to, to even learn about or or get your hands on something. And then I'm sure there's kids growing up that mind blown when they started hearing things that were not what they're used to hearing on the radio and say, wait a minute, how the hell is this? You know, again, yeah, it's a, it's a mind blown thing because it's yeah, been yeah. so green that, yeah, a 4-4 is pretty much the standard you know once you go out of it it's a little different so well that's kind of why
1: things like rhythmic illusions work because our brains are hardwired to kind of make certain assumptions when we hear stuff so when something's a little bit outside that it's almost i mean people get uncomfortable like it's a weird feeling for people to hear things that they're not used to like i've had things that i've posted rhythmically offend people like it really cracks me up. I love when those sort of things happen because it's actually kind of funny. Because uh, I see it as something I played made somebody feel a certain way. Like I'm actually evoking emotion by playing something that's abstract enough that they're like to they feel some sort of way about it. It's kind of funny to me.
0: So you you definitely got to stay away from the drum circles then, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not welcome <laughs> in those places
0: because <laughs> I think a lot a lot of things going on there that will definitely trip people's minds and in, uh, in more ways than <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, honestly, sort of the people that we, we typically associate with sitting around in a drum circle may appreciate it going out to space a little bit, but maybe
0: not. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah, so that leads into what you did there. And I appreciate the, you know, uh, giving a little good explaining of uh, some of those techniques and, you know, what polyrhythms are. And um, for those that are, are, you know, maybe not the drummers or back have that background, but it leads right into like your education, right? So how did you how did you kind of break into education because you you're still doing the remote uh, Drumio uh lessons or as an instructor? yeah
1: totally i actually work full-time with Drumio now um okay. but yeah i've been with them a lot and i help run their coaches program
0: very cool yeah i mean how so how'd you get how did you get becoming a like an educator then
1: well, um, educating was one of the early things that I got into again, having started this from an education side of things, um, even as early as like grade eight, like a year into the game, the teachers had me helping the other kids, even kids that were ahead of them, just cause again, I just found it fun to learn this stuff. And I chose to believe none of it was hard. So I just went and learned it all. It just made it really easy to progress really quickly. Um, so yeah, even as a kid, even like my first, well, I should say my first job, but like when I first actually this is a good way to put it. When I first decided I was going to stop having normal jobs. Um, I don't even think I was 20. Yet. I was probably 18, 19, just out of high school. The last job I was working at Princess Auto. And I remember sitting there one day, it just, I was stocking shelves and decided, what the fuck am I doing? I, I could at the very least be teaching for twice what I'm making here. And the wheels turned a little bit more, which means I could work half as much and make the same. So I literally just put my shit down and quit. And decided I was going to make sure that I got more students. If I quit, that means I need money coming up. So I had to, you know, hustle and figure out how to get more students in my roster. But um, in doing so, I just made the decision to do that thing. And because I'd already been teaching for such a long time, well, not such a long time at that point, it was four or five years. Um, But also education was like my main influence into it. So it just something that came kind of naturally to me. Um, And I mean, through that, I feel like you learn a lot as a teacher as well, because let's say you've got a student And you're trying to teach them something. Polyrhythms is a great example because it's odd for some people. Maybe the student doesn't understand it in the way you're trying to explain it. Well, your job becomes now you have to help that person problem solve in a way that they're going to figure out how this concept works. Mm. So in doing so, you learn several, sometimes 20, 30 different ways to teach the same concept, which just deepens your understanding and also gives you new tools to learn with yourself. So this all just kind of compounded. That's just always been kind of my headspace when I've you know been teaching and doing that kind of stuff. So I guess as you were asking kind of how the drumming thing started. That started soon after I started doing YouTube videos. And I was just using YouTube as an outlet for this weird stuff. Because, I mean, I was playing music professionally right out of, I mean, basically when I decided I was quitting that job. I had to treat music as a job. So I was, you know, gigging professionally, doing a ton of teaching. Basically, I was like minimum 40 hours a week. I was dedicating to music because that's what a person with a job does. So um, from that, I rambled myself off my topic. What was I wasn't talking about? Right, getting into YouTube. So I was playing like normal gigs and stuff, like, you know, funk gigs and rock gigs and country gigs and all this kind of stuff. Basically, you know, be out gigging every weekend, teaching during the week and working on just developing stuff. Uh, that was basically how my weeks always went, um, but after a while, I felt like I didn't really have a creative outlet. Like I did, like I could obviously go play and improvising on stage with people is really fun, and you know, connecting with bands is great, and you know, sinking into the pocket, I love these things. But right. there was a big part of me that was really into all the crazy, weird stuff, and it was hard to justify gigging time into like some let's say just normal band. Like if I were to start my own band and just start playing weird music, that's, that's cool. I could do such a thing, but then I'm taking away time that I could be you know, making money at it. And at the time I was like really trying to do this for a living more. I right. needed something that I could kind of just like basically on my own create. So I took my skills, weird stuff and teaching.
0: And I think and, Aaron, and that's, Aaron, to, sorry to interrupt, but that's, I, I think that's a really, that's a really good, interesting thing you just mentioned there is going, what you went through was, you were wanting to be full time in music, doing teaching, gigging. You know, you still you have to still have to make money, right? And right. you're 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 sounds like you were trading off a little bit of some of that because you still had to do this. And yeah. you know, friend for the for so for those that are you know, you know, hey, let let's face it. As much as everyone sees, you know, being a full time musician is a still a job, whether it's a different kind of job than maybe someone who's in an office and there's pros and, you know, goods and bads and both, but comes with both sides. But, yeah, you know, that's interesting is, you know, you still had to give up or trade at, at the, maybe at that point in time to be able to kind of throttle what you need what you need at the, that moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I guess I hadn't really thought about it super clearly like that, but yeah, that's, that's totally how that went down. Um, but yeah, I started making, just videos about what interested me from a standpoint that i could do It's like as much as like okay maybe i don't have a musical outlet for this kind of stuff but like hey these wacky rhythms are fun here's how you right. develop things so i started making those videos and it was just kind of perfect timing with drumeo because maybe six months after i started doing that maybe a year something something really close they were looking to Start their satellite program where they had somebody doing you know lessons on a weekend where they wouldn't have to have the whole drumio studio done because when they do a broadcast there's usually at least six people there, so that's people that need to be paid. That's, that's a lot of commitment. But if they have somebody who is capable of doing all the video stuff, all the audio stuff, all the teaching stuff at the same time, you can just pay one due. Right. And so they were looking for somebody Canadian because drumio is a Canadian company. They're up in BC um they want somebody canadian that was doing something unique that had this skill set it was just like hello that's just all sorts of perfect and yeah uh i think i'm the long actually i don't think i am definitely the longest standing uh satellite instructor because i was the first one and i think i'm the only one that's still doing it from that initial batch
0: oh wow that's yeah, we uh, Jared was on fall the end of, uh, fall of last year, and, and uh, interesting how yeah hard work and kind of a the vision and the history of how Drumio got to where it's at today. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that and then that leads into um you know the book that Modern Drummer had published, the mm-hmm. Progressive Drumming Essentials, and when it, when did that come out? Um,
1: Progressive Drumming Essentials came out I think it was twenty nineteen, might have been twenty eighteen at this point. It's been out for a little bit, um, but yeah, it's been a couple of years. And it was, uh, it was basically like the series that I'd been writing for Modern Drama. Like I've been writing for them for like five years, basically. Um, so we took a big chunk of that stuff and expanded on it all and just turned it into a more cohesive kind of thing.
0: Cool. And it, you, you got any uh, new books in the works?
1: I do, actually. There's another one that's finished uh, that was supposed to come out uh, in China first. Um It hasn't come out in China yet, but it is done. There's another book called The Elements of Metal Drumming. Um, I got a bunch of really cool people in on that. There's like Thomas Hock I collabed with, Alex Rudinger. uh, Lots of really cool stuff in there. Um, Yeah, it should be a lot of fun when it comes out. It's more, it's not like, like Progressive Drumming Essentials is like, basically, where can you take your brain? Like Modern Drummer kind of encouraged me to be myself, which is weird as shit. So there's like, the wacky stuff that i
0: like go for it. Right.
1: <laughs> totally. And I mean, like, I mean, back even when I was a kid and I was first like exploring that kind of stuff, I've got literally thousands and thousands of pages of stuff that I've written over the years. Like just every random idea that I have worked on and developed. And there's all sorts of wacky, crazy shit. Probably half the stuff that I put in modern drummer, stuff that I wrote forever ago. Cause it, you know, you'd be like writing something on a concept and you're like, Oh man, I remember I did this really neat thing with that. So go back in your notes and find something that sort of resembles it. Ah, cool it's it's neat there's been moments where i've had like somebody pop up on instagram and like tag me in a video where they're playing a beat that i remember writing like 20 years ago in some random club in between sets or something it's just like the (laughs) strangest nostalgia but like so cool at the same time
0: that's right on this day in uh, yeah facebook uh history events right pops up (laughs) (laughs) so so okay so as you mentioned there, I was going to ask you about the uh, shooting the video. So you shooting everything. So, But how often do you go over to uh, BC, to the headquarters there?
1: I usually go to Drumio HQ at least once a year. Um, we even were able to do one last year, even sort of like in one of the lulls and sort of COVID lockdowns. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get to this year. Again, I'm in a full lockdown again as All it is. Right. Uh, but usually I go there at least once a year.
0: Okay, and that and that that last time you were there is when you shot the Masuga cover, right? Mm-hmm. Or did you shoot? Okay, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's when we did that one. Um, yeah, we did a bunch of stuff there. We filmed a bunch of stuff for Level Ten of the Drumeo Method and uh, a few more like uh, YouTube facing things too.
0: Cool. Was that one of the hardest covers you did?
1: No, I think the I think the craziest one was actually it's almost weird to say it, but the hot for teacher intro, because there's a weird story behind how that one came up. It's not something that I find particularly difficult, but they told me it was transcribed over. I was like, cool, I'll just come in and do this thing. Maybe there'll be some slight variations on how I was already playing it. I can figure that out. No problem. Anyway, I get there and their transcription. I don't want to call it the dude that did it, but it was bullshit. It was so wrong. I couldn't even believe it. And we had to shoot that thing the next day. So, I literally had to go in Pro Tools on Dave Atkinson's computer after we were hanging out for the night and just slowed it down and create the note-for-note note version, the one-player note-for-note version that we see on YouTube there. I literally wrote that the night before. I had like 15 minutes that morning to try it, and then we filmed it. <laughs> I'm still a little shocked at how well it went. That's,
0: that's an interesting story you're not going to hear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right yeah actually some dude put up a a video like comparison of other people playing that and he was trying to say that in my version those 2 12 12-inch tom hits aren't there they are they're 100% there and they're exactly where i put them <laughs> just that <there. laughs>
0: well i i think you know it's one of those um forever ever since you know 1984 and again and i guess the crazy part i and it's kind of a maybe it's a great topic to kind of maybe pin, pin that somewhere down the road for these all-time you know the story if you ever could get figure you know learn how the drummer came up with those signature you know fills or parts you know how how and how did alex come up with that whole entry now again we know there's there's a certain um the video goes with it perfectly and all that stuff but um how that goes into it but but the the what what do you call it, the urban legend? Right, was that was all dubs and you're right you've heard you know the stories and you know and so forth and it's like no it can be done with without any type of dubbing or or electronics or whatever the case may be. Yeah, and obviously and obviously it's you got the proof. Of,
1: <laughs> yeah, well we we basically like I said we just transcribed it note for note and made it as close as you could possibly do it as one person. I still believe it's. Um, layers of takes you can kind of hear when the other parts get added in. if you listen really closely in like the the air in the actual sound, you can hear as new layers sort of get added on with that. Um but yeah, you're physically able to do something very similar. Right. <laughs> That's what's in the drummeo video.
0: <laughs> so 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 you what you're saying is the original recording from Van Halen was not one shot. It's at minimum two. Okay. And Aaron Edgar did it in one.
1: <laughs> like I said, to the best of what is capable, the notes are represented. <laughs> there may not be all the layering from multiple pieces, right? But it's as close as you're going to get as a one-player version.
0: All right. So all right, Van Halen. <laughs> well, well, whoever's left in Van. Oh, man, that's that's too soon, I think. But yeah, hit, hit Aaron, up. He'll fill in because I don't think Alex is playing anymore. So. Well,
1: uh, oh, he's not. I think I thought he was still I, playing. I,
0: yeah, I don't know if he was, or I mean, obviously losing your brother and he's had health issues. I don't know if he's still well. I'm again, I'm be interested to see what w- Wolfgang you know continues on with and so forth. But That's
1: a good but point. Yeah, it's, I I can see there being a tour with Wolfgang leading it up. Oh, who knows?
0: Oh, who knows? I mean, you you think about that growing up in a, a Van Halen child and around your father and uncle and that all that stuff, and then you know be kind of on it, you know, which just grown into his own even too. Yeah, yeah. So i don't know so the um yeah as far as the other other videos there that you know uh done was uh you know that one from a sugar the cover bleed but yeah i got a kick out of the video there the five beginner bass drum songs and i think some of it just for me was it it kind of brought me back to you know when i was a teenager and a lot of those you know the motley cruise and the metallicas and of course the galloping (laughs) for four horsemen and things like that so is that is that is that were you given free reign to say you know for that video shoot for for Drumeo was, what is your five or how do, how does that kind of creativity kind of work?
1: Well, it's interesting. drumio has changed a lot over the years. Like now, um, I hope I'm not saying too much in saying this, but I mean, in that video, it was basically we went through what the the videos, like the songs that get the most sort of views and response online. Like they're about, I mean, the stuff that goes out on YouTube, it's about getting it the largest reach possible. I don't think i had any input on the songs that we were doing in that one honestly um dave and i basically just were like okay here's sort of the top ones that fit this uh pick the five you like most out of these <laughs> and that's what we went with so um but it didn't used to be that way i'm not right. saying that anyone is like better or worse I and mean, i'm obviously I mean, drumming is doing amazing right now so obviously this is currently yeah. the best that we got it with. but right. when we started there it used to be a lot more uh topic selection it was basically me and dave just on FaceTime, joking back and forth until we found ideas that were funny enough to actually make content about. Yeah, we, we got a lot of those on Drumming <laughs> Up. There's a lot of fun stuff in the, <laughs> the archives. <laughs> back when oh, they I, didn't care how weird I got.
0: I, I can only imagine. Yeah, the, well, shoot, even the outtakes you guys do show in those videos is even funny. So I'm sure there's outtakes that there's they haven't even seen.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember, uh, <laughs> I think the, it probably wasn't the first time that I went there, but maybe the second time at some point early on, I remember they totally messed with me on a live stream once. So we were about to go live. And so we'd usually go live where there was like uh, a co-host who was usually Dave when I was doing it. And then me at the drums. It's actually kind of hard for me to do that. Cause I'm so used to doing broadcasts here by myself that I can just, I can just talk through that hour and make it sort of seamless. So it's hard to even let them kind of get an engine. I've even been cutting you off and I apologize for that.
0: But like I find, I find a lot of drummers are like this, Aaron. So don't take offense. <laughs> All right, cool. But yeah. So
1: anyway, so we're we're sitting there, we're about to go live, and they started as normal. Um, but what I didn't know because we didn't have a clock in that room is that it was about five minutes early. So they were just like making it look in the actual studio room like they'd started it, but this wasn't live. So they started it, lesson went as normal for a minute or so, but then Dave just started piping in and just saying the most vulgar shit directly to and at me and it just like went hilarious off the rails but yeah they absolutely mess with you they're total bros over there dromeo it is so fun they're (laughs) seriously the coolest people i've ever worked with i i love that i've been with this company for almost a decade
0: (laughs) they definitely have a like you know uh uh, work hard play hard you know over there you know you just even chatting with uh jared on the podcast and uh and you know yep. a little bit about the following them many years like like yourself and and I, you know what I, I i hate i hate i can't believe i've gone this far into the podcast here without you know really recognizing and, and giving a big shout out to dave bloom because dave who's the one who's you know connected us and uh so thanks dave that's for good. uh you know ho- thanks, hooking good. us up here for uh, for this podcast and that's something i've found where it's been pretty interesting that this podcast and that maybe other podcasters get the same as you know guests kind of connect or, or recommend other guests and, and and kind of like really cool that there's like a little community there as well too
1: yeah man absolutely
0: yeah so unfortunately though um for yours and you know jared's i couldn't send you some rum to you know sample and try because trying to get something over the border it, let alone out of this out of out of each state is very difficult but then um, trying to, I said, Jared. said, yeah, I'll send you some great Florida rum, and I started looking. to my like, holy shit, this is like impossible to get something into Canada. I mean, it's just right there, you know. Let alone you know, across the ocean or something. But anyway,
1: yeah, it's nuts. I remember I was trying to order some stuff from Alaska once, and the dude just wouldn't ship it to me. He was like, "Do you have a U.S. address?" I'm like, "I'm fucking closer. What are you talking?" <laughs> <laughs> like you got to go through Canada to get it somewhere in the U.S. It's just yeah, like,
0: right. You're like, yeah, I, I'm probably the closest. You're the closest state to where I'm at than any other other one, maybe besides what's at uh, Michigan or or uh, Minnesota, right? Just on the other well, side. Well, North
1: Dakota is like an hour south of me right now. Okay.
0: But okay. it's funny that like
1: Alaska's up here, and we got all of Canada, yeah. and then the U.S. is like, you got a U.S. address, dude? Right. Just like drop it out of the plane on its way over.
0: I yeah. There, I, that's what I've, I've learned about this whole journey is so far is that man there's rums all over the world and there's rums that folks have and it's like I'm never I had a guest on earlier this year from Scotland they make rum in Scotland and and I'm my background in here you know I'm, both of my folks are from Scotland and it was like well this is a great story like I just can't get my hands on it because it's over here in this country and I you know and it's like and and the the owner or the one of the co owners that was on the show, you know, he's he's kind of stuck also in Scotland. He also lives in in the U.S. and does work. And he's like, yeah, next time maybe I can fly. Once they un, un, unlock things and so forth. But anyway, so yeah, um, you're
1: show, but you're gonna have to go on a drums
0: and rums tour. I I'm definitely down with that. I'm I was thinking I'm like as much as inspired, you know, dr- drum fest inspired. You know, I was like, you know, so yeah, maybe a drums and rum fest. That's that's or drums and rums cruise can i book it hey. on this cruise yeah
1: that sounds great all right some so. international waters and getting in all sorts of debauchery
0: oh yeah so you get you one more shot and you'll be good to go oh well actually here in florida there you know there's a whole big fight over the cruise ships right now and uh, but anyway that's a whole that's a whole another podcast we can we can start that on
1: you having once upon a bottle of
0: And for our mid-show rum review, Alex from The Rum Barrel gives us a review of Appleton Estate 8-Year-Old Reserve. This is a review for the Appleton Estate 8-Year-Old Reserve.
1: Um, The Appleton 8-Year-Old rejoined the core Appleton range last year, replacing the Appleton Reserve blend. It hails from the Appleton Distillery in Jamaica and it's a blend of pot and column steel distillates, molasses based and aged for at least 8 years in ex-bourbon casks in the tropical climate of Jamaica. The rum features intense notes of green apples, peppermint, pineapple juice, candied bananas, stone fruits, tobacco and a lot of wood spices as well. This is an amazing rum and one of the best value for money on the market. It can be enjoyed by itself, or it can be used in tropical drinks that ask for Jamaican rums, such as the Jungle Bird or the Mai Tai. Um,
0: (laughs) just so, so just to kind of name, you know, kind of you know recognize there is some of your endorsements, you you. Um, sonar, Sabian, Evans, Pure Sound, Vader, Simpad, Sweet Spot, Clutches, Drums, Dots. Let me take a breath. Square yeah. wheel, <laughs> Roland, Sledge Pad, Low Boy Beaters, Kelly Shoe, one I'm not familiar with, Protection Rocket, oh, Porter and Davis, and cool. Big Stat Snare Drum. So I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead, Aaron. Kelly well, I was going
1: to say, the Kelly Shoe you're unfamiliar with, they make some really cool stuff. They have uh, basically suspension mounts for microphones that you would just like mount in your bass drums. Okay. Yeah, super, super great things. Um, honestly, the every bass drum sound I've had in the past, probably like ten years, has been with a, a Kelly shoe. Uh, I got D. Wait, Beta ninety ones matching these things. Too many microphones.
0: Cool. cool. <laughs> and, I, get, and like,
1: I almost put the wrong microphone. That's ridiculous. I'm looking at the things.
0: <laughs> so let let's let's talk about this favorite Sabian symbol you got. Mm,
1: yeah, this guy right here this i still i honestly can hardly even believe they made me this thing it was one of those like i was going to send them out a weird idea and just expect them to hit me back with a hard no but my favorite ride symbol um in fact the one that was sort of one of the deciding factors of wanting to come to sabian after i left hamrats like many many years ago um was the fierce ride i love the fierce ride uh, it's Man, it's just one of my favorite ride symbols of all time. It's probably one of the oldest symbols I currently have that I bought brand new. I've got some older stuff that I've got used or has been hand-me-down or whatever. Um, yeah, I've probably had that symbol for 20 years or is it even now? 20 years, whatever. Around when it first came out, the big old school signature logo. I got that version. That thing, love it. Anyway, I wanted a weirder version of that. And I was into really sort of clangy, dark things, which is kind of what HammerX was all about. So I came up with this idea of just like okay, make me a bigger one. But I and I was thinking about kind of the the sort of idea, but I don't know. I'm a math guy. I don't want eights. I don't want something normal. I don't know if you notice. I don't like things that are normal. So I I, I photoshopped it up. I was like seven kind of doesn't look right. It's like big chunky sort of thing. Eleven's a little much. You almost get like. You lose a little bit of it, but nine just had this real look to it that I love. So I was like, okay, you know what? Let's see if they're going to make me a nonagon shape. So nine sided polygon fierce ride. So I did it all up. I photoshopped it exactly where, like, how it would align with, like, the bell, where the logos would go and whatnot. And it was just like, here's my idea. Can we make this a thing? So sure as shit, they're like, okay, we'll do it. And Man, it sounds so good. Again, it's probably gonna sound like balls if I play it right now. But I mean, you guys can hop on YouTube and look up Nine sided Fierce Ride or Nonagon Fierce Ride, something like that. This one of my videos on YouTube is about this thing. Um, but yeah, it just sounds amazing. Now, one thing that I didn't anticipate, but was like a nice sort of happy surprise when it showed up is that it is lopsided. Now, there's two ways to think about how this, how you could bisect this symbol. Um, but gravity mm. plays a factor in it.
0: Mm.
1: So if you bisect down the middle this way, Jeez. it is the same on both sides. But the thing is, is that's not what gravity is going to let it do. Gravity is going to force this five-sided part to the bottom. So we've actually got sort of the mid, the equator, I guess, of that symbol is just above these spikes. So you got five spikes on one side, four spikes on the other side. Mm. That's only relevant because it won't let the thing open up like a normal cymbal does, like one that's actually a circle or even a rock to gum, one that's got an even number of sides to it, would be able to open up and sort of bloom. Like, you know, you hit a cymbal and it actually kind of opens up a little bit more after. Not this thing. This thing is clangy and dark and dry, but in all the right ways. Like, it opens up a little bit when you crash it. You can definitely make a crash type sound with it. but it shuts up super quick in a way that I kind of really dig. I don't normally like sort of muffling things, but yeah, there's just something really special about this ride symbol. It sounds amazing, and it's such a silly idea. It's it's still kind of crazy to me, but not only did they make me this ridiculous thing that I thought they were going to say fucking no to, but it sounds so good to the point that it is one of my favorite symbols of all time. I love this thing. That's
0: so I, I I read that I was like oh so I definitely have to ask because obviously you've got some uh yeah you get something there
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I'm a bit of a gear nerd I don't know if you noticed yeah. I yeah, yeah. I like my-
0: so the um so we talk about third ion
1: yeah we um well we've got two records out currently and we're sort of a halfway through writing the third one and it's wacky prog kind of like earlier when I was talking about the Music really has no rules. I feel like that is a manifestation of how I feel about that. Um, it started with like me and the guitar player, Justin Bender, uh, just kind of writing some stuff here in this room, in my studio. Um, and it was neat because he was really good with sort of like song forms and putting together those kind of ideas. And obviously I've got the math thing covered, mm-hmm. but it was neat in such a way where, I don't know, I've never really had a, a partnership where we trusted our ideas are like each other so much you know like it was a really equal play where even if the thing that i was bringing to the table just like didn't even make sense to him he was just like okay well let's let's at the very least make it so we can kind of like make a grid in pro tools that does this thing i'm gonna play something sort of close we'll fix it and then we'll learn it after for like guitar parts that were sort of weird to put some of this wacky drum ideas i had but what was neat is like because he was so good at putting together songs and like the melodic aspects of things, we were able to kind of really make it sound like something. So
0: right.
1: to me, this band is sort of like a an adventure and rhythmic theory, not even just rhythmic. Obviously, we do some cool melodic things as well, but I'm going to speak to the rhythmic side of things. So I'm a fucking right. drummer. But I don't know, man, it's just it's neat. It's it's a lot of fun it's an it's an adventure. Every one of the songs is like some sort of unique rhythmic concept in some way. It's not necessarily just weird for the sake of being weird, although usually it kind of starts from that place. It all, I don't know, it's like taking those ideas that may seem baffling to some and finding a way to make it sound like something. Right. Like some of the stuff that was sitting unfinished on the new record right now is neat. We've been taking a lot of these really open, set up with polyrhythms where there's lots of space in them. Um, so we're not playing all of the notes. We've kind of just, we're almost like implying it, even though the rhythm is strongly there. But the way that we've shaped the melodies around them, it's it's fun. I, I hadn't listened to it in a little bit, and I put it on this morning just because I figured we probably end up talking about it. And it was, yeah, I'm excited to start playing some of that music because it is right. really weird, and, <laughs> but like in a fun way.
0: So, and and for those for those you know that are you know that are listening is uh, the two releases are Thirteenth 8th Bit, and yeah, Bio right?
1: Yeah, kind of a combination of eight bit and Thirteenth Eight is a time signature. Thirteenth Eight Bit,
0: yeah. So the, um, and what I found was interesting was, you know, it listed, uh, read somewhere that, you know, your the theme, right, so Third I Am is themed of sci-fi, video games, a universe, and I mean, how, how did that come, I mean, it seems like you said, like, you like things that are weird, but um, yeah.
1: Well, that's basically, I mean, I wish I had a more elegant sort of justification for those things, but honestly, it was just me and Justin hanging down here, like, again, at its first, we have uh, Mike Young on bass and Dave Patton on vocals. They're all integral parts of the band at this point, but that's sort of how it started. Uh, it was just me and Justin just sort of geeking out and making music about shit that we liked, fucked up rhythms that didn't make sense to most people, putting cool melodies with it and we both love video games and sci-fi and stuff. So it just, this is what comes out of that.
0: I, and and that's why I, I love the beginning of uh, Biolith. It was like, I said, I said, I, I said, I played it for my kids. I'm like, all right, check this out. They're like, that sounds like, I'm like, yeah, that does sound. <laughs> And, and especially like the van Halen, right that's uh yeah. so um, that song
1: is like one of my favorite things that i put together that came from one of those ideas that's on a sheet of paper from like 20 years ago it's a rhythm that i wrote to challenge myself in quintuplets and man i will never forget the feeling of getting the tracks back when we actually like had bass and more stuff actually even before that like because i presented this to the guys kind of like this nonagon fierce ride is like this one might be too weird let's see what you guys can do with it so i sent over this drum pattern and sort of the idea of how the parts would probably go back and forth and man the shit that they came back with i was grinning ear to ear i was like i couldn't believe that it like actually fucking sounded like something (laughs) it's just a start but it actually sounded super cool like the man the chugs were in all the right places these cool sort of electronic stabs and stuff man i love that thing and that that actual tune the parts for that tune um helped change my playing in a really cool way as well because like You know, I recorded it for the album. I played it live several times, maybe not a hundred times at this point. because We haven't done a ton of touring, but like Mm. I've done it at every clinic since. Um, Yeah, then maybe over a hundred. But anyway, like it was something that felt sort of like it was missing. And I used this tune and the track to it as like a lie detector test of my own sort of technique and mental headspace on the kit and I was able to sort of like find and correct things that had probably been plaguing my playing for, well, since I started into that kind of stuff. Because there was like, actually, here's a good way to describe this. What's one of your like total go to groups? Like, if you were like, let's say you have one too many rums, you want to sit down at the kit, you know, damn well, this is going to sound great. There's no headspace you could be in that this wouldn't sound good. What's one of those things for you? I, you
0: know, l- lately it's been a lot of, uh, like a hip hop kind of feel, and you know, kind of like I watched your cover there. You did the Snoop Dogg cover, and I was like, "All right, well, that's that's pretty cool." And you know, if anyone's checked out your other stuff. Uh, I know you were asking me the question. That I'm trying to, you know, give full. But yeah, yeah, that's that's one I usually go back to. And it's even though I'm in kind of in more of a rock, but yeah, go, but go ahead.
1: Cool. So that feeling when you're playing one of those where the execution of which is completely subconscious. You're not thinking about it. That's why I used alcohol as sort of like a preface to that part of it. There is a different experience to playing something like that and playing something where you need to focus, where you need to think about it, or where you need to be like, okay, this one's hard. I got to play this. It's got this real specific thing. It's got to be exactly right. Those two head are very different. And the second one is not particularly conducive to pocket. So what I was finding with Van Halen is that yes, I could execute it, I could play it, I could make it work in such a way where you know nobody had any issues with it. The band maybe it felt great. But it was missing that. It was missing that, like if you sink into something that makes you fucking go like this and you don't have to like pay attention, it just like you can't help but head bob to it. It's so good, you know? Right. I wanted to find that in something super messed. And I was able like Van Halen is what I used to kind of find that. And it's also what I used to sort of elucidate the fact that I didn't have it at the time that I made the decision to start focusing on it. But honestly, it was something that I probably practiced well after having recorded and released that record probably about five years straight. And it was probably the only thing that I really put actual effort into in those five years because I knew what I was looking for. I knew what it was supposed to feel like, and I knew that it wasn't. And it was perplexing me that there were a handful of kick notes where it was like, some of these have involuntary tension most of the time there were little glimmers of hope where i could make it through a full pass of it or whatever it's just like yeah i put in zero effort every one of those notes landed exactly where it was supposed to be and it's just like it had that pocket my hands are still basically playing quarter notes. you can definitely feel that through it even though your feet are playing this wacky broken quintuplet rhythm it's 21 notes long so it's different every bar even though it's sort of the same yeah man that was a journey and that like really sort of I mean, I don't know why I sound like such an explanation of it, but like it like yeah, it sort of it changed me. Really sinking into that one for a super long time.
0: Well, I I I think I, I the way I, the way I I hear you say that it's definitely something that you took that you wanted to kind of challenge, or, you know, have something there and then you know again, it's it's making music. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you, you obviously feel very, you know, passionate about that creativity and where 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 it went and what what it is and and so forth. So yeah, no, I, I get it. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, um, uh, yeah. And I was, I shared, uh, you know, a friend of mine, I said, he yeah, I said, you gotta check out, you see you gotta check out this guy and and he texted me this morning and said, dude, he goes, thanks for sending the, the, I think it was like a YouTube playlist of third eye. And so he's like, dude, this is, he's like insane. I'm like, yeah, I said, it's iron. You watch that stuff. Everything's going. It's like, wow. So, but, uh, So is everybody in the band, they got like home studios and I guess that's how you guys are kind of working together. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, it's real convenient. Every one of us has our own recording studio and Justin, his job uh, is basically being a studio engineer. So he does that for a long time. He was also a live engineer. So we got everything in sort of the right check for this. Like we don't, we're fully self-reliant to get like apps, like release quality stuff like they didn't go anywhere outside of the four of us to make either of those first two records
0: wow that that's definitely uh can be very helpful when you're uh you've got a lot of those things in house that you don't have to rely or 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 you know have other totally. influences right
1: yeah and especially in a genre of music that let's face it doesn't make a pile of money like crazy wacky super rhythmically out prog there's not a lot of people that are into that Right. Like I said, some things that I play literally really offend people. So (laughs) there's, (laughs) I wear that like a bad pride. I love that.
0: So to to let everybody know, Aaron, you know, with with Prague and, you know, and odd time signatures, are we still clapping on the two and four when we're listening to this? Well,
1: it entirely depends on context. Is it the
0: one or is it the one and three? (laughs) It's
1: usually something a little bit more like two and a quarter and like three and five sixteenths.
0: There you go. (laughs) So I know the old uh, the old uh, I don't know I think I don't know if it's a meme or whatever it is whether people know clapping on the right uh, the right beat. So um, (laughs) friends don't let friends clap
1: on one and three.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So so I guess you know for those that haven't checked it out yet is would it be. how do you feel that if uh somebody said you know describing the music uh third ion is uh, you know as a reference to like maybe dream theater or i mean is that you okay with like if that was like a reference to kind of give people a frame or or not
1: yeah well my guitar one of my one of his favorite bands is dream theater so i i would imagine you could definitely hear that in there i don't really ever listen to that band myself but um yeah that's definitely in the vein like yeah. sort of like metally. With uh, just action-packed weird changes, and on the first two records, there's a lot of like really long songs, like so that could also sort of fall into that reference as well. Right,
0: and 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 that's that's what I I, I pick up from it is you guys are very good with your instrument. You know, you're very, everyone's te- very technical, obviously, to be able to play. You know that you know that that kind of uh, style and so forth. You, know, you just listen to the uh, musicianship, right? You know, yeah, f- from you and through throughout the entire band. Did, did you do you have somebody that plays keys because I'm, I'm trying to i drawing a blank on which uh which one it was but it was very much para, para, not parabolic it was something something like that but it was one that was very much the intro was like some organy kind of reminding yeah. me of like a deep purple kind of uh s- style at first you know
1: yeah most of the key stuff was done by our, our bass player mike i think justin may have done some of it but most of it's mike um, we've talked about bringing a key player on for live shows at some point in the future.
0: Oh, cool. So, um, so we get to this point in the, uh, the podcast here in, uh, what we call in four beats or less. So again, I, maybe I should have add, put it in a different for, for this podcast. I should have called it something different for, for, for you.
1: 17 beats or less or something like the,
0: that. The- <laughs> All right, so in 17 beats or less, well, that actually gives you a lot more time here, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's like we've played this before, and people are like, well, what is the well, we tempo? just have to, like,
1: truncate the type of note we're talking about. If it's four beats or less, and we're talking about four, four, 17 beats and 16th notes is, like, a fraction a bit longer than that. <laughs> I'll still take a little bit more.
0: But <laughs> right, yeah. All right, so when uh, 17 uh, beats or less, 17th, in in seventeen three times things are beats or less <laughs> all right so all right so you live up in canada you live up in uh winnipeg area right yep all right so old school jets or the new school jets
1: i don't give two shits about sports i have no idea
0: all right so no hockey questions for aaron okay <laughs> um who did i ask that question to there was something similar like oh it was uh one of the guests we had on that lives up in minnesota and he, uh, uh, you know was into hockey and it was a reference question where the team had left and then came back as another team but which which odd time signature do you like playing the most
1: Hmm. i don't think i can really accurately answer that question because i sort of it's all kind of the same thing. You're just worrying about pattern length. Like, I don't really find any one sort of cooler than any others. I mean, I like 16th meters because I like the way they turn around. Um, but I certainly couldn't pinpoint any one of them as like a particular favorite. I mean, if I was sort of just like going to make up an answer on the spot, maybe 15, 16, because you can do some cool things by uh, rolling every third note in there and get like a fun polyrhythm just in the time signature by, you know, you can have three and five coexisting just nicely in a bar. That's kind of cool. Right, uh, but yeah, I don't really feel strong one way or the other towards okay.
0: that. I think I've a- I asked that question in, in in the opposite way, basically. Which, which time signature that they d- despise playing? So, but since you know that's, <laughs> I that, I probably think you'd probably answer the, a- answer that question the same way as you answered this question, right? I'm sure.
1: I, I would. You know, most people would yeah. probably expect me to say four four, but four four has a lot of really important things to it. And like some of the coolest things you can do in weird time signatures is imply four four because people are used to it. It's a reference that everybody gets. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would have had some other like completely weird way to answer that question that doesn't really satisfy what you're looking for to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sorry for being obnoxious on purpose.
0: No, that's <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. So all right, so how many? So since you're sitting there and I see things behind you, so how many snares? Do you know how many snares you have in your collection? Uh, how many? How many? Remember, this isn't four oh. this this is in 17 beats or less. So you gotta answer.
1: I gotta answer snap snap. Okay. Uh I think fifty-six. Oh I wrong. There's lots though. Okay. Like maybe let's just call it a half todd circumvent.
0: <laughs> so I'm hoping my wife's listening to this and she so see, see, I see I've I've got nothing on Aaron. So don't you know cut me some slack.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. This let this be all the justification you need for new
0: gear. Yeah. And just in this just in this camera view, enough is it's plenty fine. <laughs>
1: Dude, if I were to turn this camera around, not just this wall, but the entire next wall and half the one behind it, it's just gear floor to ceiling. Wow. And that's still just one room in the studio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we don't have basements here in Florida. So that's uh because then that means you'd be in the
1: water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wouldn't be fun.
0: So what's what's your favorite thing about teaching?
1: Honestly, okay, oh, this is, uh, I hate that this one's in a 17 b or less. Okay, if I had to pick one thing that was my favorite about teaching, it would be selfishly that I learn a lot.
0: Mm.
1: Kind of like I was talking about earlier that like you learn how to learn by helping other people problem solve. But I think more importantly than that is just the act of helping people problem solve. I feel like my job as a teacher almost has nothing to do with drums, even though it obviously has everything to do with drums. I feel right. like I'm helping people learn how to navigate their brains and problem solve effectively. Hmm. That's I think that kind of drives me at a deeper level, and I kind of express that through drums.
0: No, I, that's that's a great that's a great answer because um, I think the way when you were talking about that earlier was uh, people learn. Everybody learns not do not learn the same way things, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like right. you could teach. A hundred people, the same thing, and you'd probably have to use 20 different ways to do it unless it was something super basic.
0: Right, right, right. So very cool. So, um, so Aaron, you've got anything to, you know, we get in there and promote and plug before we uh, wrap up here?
1: I don't know. I think uh, probably the next sort of fun thing coming up, and I have no sort of timeline on it other than the third Iron Album we were already talking about, is I am working on a new book kind of about sort of the mental game. So like I was talking earlier about sort of like, you know, problem solving and helping people kind of navigate their brains. Um, Interestingly, in the pandemic, I've taken up a new hobby, which um, has a mental aspect that I find really close to drums and music in general. But the interesting thing is in all the places that I've read and learned about the mental game of music, it seems to be, I shouldn't say missing a piece, but there's a piece that I found in this other area of interest, um, that's incredibly relevant. Um, in fact, it was part of what helped me sort of solve those things I was looking for in Van Halen, while I spent five years working on it. Uh, so solving that's actually been pretty recent. Anyway, I'm working on a book in that vein of things. Hmm. Yeah. Uh,
0: on on top uh, On top of or following the one you mentioned that's going to be released here in Je- soon, they were already went to China, right?
1: Yeah, well, this so, is actually going to be, like, a book book. This isn't going to be so much about, like, you know, oh, learn yeah. these beats or, like, okay. whatever. Yeah, the elements of metal drumming is a drum book. Like, that's going to be, you know, you pick it up. It's got notations, got all sorts of cool things, transcriptions from super rad dudes right. um, that be collabed on. You know, it was super fun. Um, yeah, but this is going to be actual, like, I envision it as something you can go actually, like, buy at a bookstore, not just a music store, you know?
0: All right, cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So the... um. So, websites, you know, thirdion.com. Yeah, that's probably the
1: best website right now. I think mine's on maintenance mode and has been for a little bit.
0: Okay. And also, you can check, you can get check, check you out over on drumio.com.
1: Yeah, drumio is definitely a place to do it. I, I'm pretty sure I still have the most content of any instructor on drumio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then definitely go check out Aaron over on his YouTube channel, Aaron Edgar Drum, which you have a mm-hmm. lot of content up there as well
1: yeah yeah lots of fun stuff over there.
0: Did I see somewhere you'd posted a video that was like your very first video from like ten years ago?
1: yeah actually, I dropped that on Facebook a little while ago i uh I just saw it pop on my phone that it was uh my ten year anniversary of uploading my first YouTube video. so I popped it <laughs> up just for the heck of it
0: that's good that's good so um before before we wrap up here, I just wanna go ahead and show you the so. As as now that we've gone through the the, the show here, so you so we'll be we'll sending this uh, shirt over there to the uh, over the yep. border there, and uh, so all of our guests there. So those shirts are just for the guests, you know. Um, awesome. Yeah, so, so if you see somebody else walking around wearing that shirt, and or next, hopefully next time you go over to uh, you know you go see drum, you know go over there and see Jared and those guys. Hopefully you yeah, see yeah. Jared, Jared wearing his shirt. Um, and then as well, Dave, Dave's also got his and, uh, and so forth. But yeah, so I'll get mailing that one out to you here, uh, this weekend, getting up there. So, so appreciate Thanks. it. Appreciate yeah, it. you got it. So, uh, you know, I'd like to thank Aaron for coming on the podcast. Um, again, I know you're super busy, got a lot of things going on and, you know, and sure some of the crazinesses of COVID and the pandemic and lockdown and, and so forth. It's, uh, but it's good to see that you are still kind of keep mm, keeping the irons in the fire going
1: yeah man yeah thanks Yep.
0: so this episode will be available on all your favorite podcast locations Tuesday May 18th check us out over on Facebook for upcoming shows and live streams check out the drums and Rums podcast give it a like follow and all that stuff check out all the other great episodes that are out there follow us on Facebook Instagram you subscribe help us help us subscribe I'm we're trying to trying to shameless plug myself here, so trying trying to get trying to get just at least a hundred subscribers, so I can get my damn custom URL already. You know, I think I'm about like 12, 12 away, I think, or twenty two away, or something like that.
1: Nice, so, uh, we can break that.
0: Yeah. Uh, check out the website drumsandrubs.com. and then I want to thank you all. Have a great day. This is where the backbeat was shared. So, Aaron, have an awesome day. Then I will uh, chat with you sometime soon, hopefully. Yeah, man. You too. Have a great one. Thanks, all man. Right. Thanks, man. <laughs> If you like what we're doing here at Drums and Rums, we have a Patreon link to help with setting up interviews and creating content that you find entertaining and interesting. Also, if you'd like to sponsor, advertise on the podcast, or if you want to come on as a guest to promote something related to the show, email me at info at drumsandrums.com. Please leave a rating or review over on iTunes or on your favorite podcast location to let me know that you like the podcast, And if there's others, no, it's a podcast they should listen to. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Lastly, I want to thank Brad Brock for our mid-show rum feature tune titled Once Upon a Bottle of Rum. And check out his podcast, Jams and Cocktails. Also, Kirk S. for our Drums and Rums tune. Thanks again for listening. Where the backbeats meet the spirits.